delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. We've got a massive show today. Krause's in France, and we'll cross to him shortly to talk about the build-up to one of the Triple Crown events. Dale Rogers joins us after having spent the night at the Australian Speedway Fraternity's annual awards night. He spoke to some of the big Speedway names, and we'll hear those interviews shortly. Then Mark Walker and I, who have been doing nothing really, look back on the weekend of motorsport last week and look forward to the Shannon Speed Series coming up this weekend from Winton. All that to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. Well, our good mate and fellow co-host Richard Crowell would normally join me live in this spot every week for a chat with some big names here in Australian motorsport. Well, this week Richard's living up his best life in France at the Le Mans 24 Hour and decided he would go for a walk around the paddock and see what other big names... Aussie names, of course, that he could find. Let's check in with him now. Richard. It's my first trip to Le Mans, and what we wanted to do was grab a fellow Aussie to help explain the experience. So I've come to CrowdStrike Racing, and I've found James Allen. Hello, mate. Hey, mate. How are you doing? I'm good. Loving this. Um, this is your sixth time here. Um, does it ever get old, this place? Uh, no, it most certainly doesn't. It only gets more and more exciting, to be honest. This is such, a, such an amazing place and an amazing circuit. You always feel like you learn something new every time you come here, and it's really an amazing event. You're, you're the most raced international Aussie of late that doesn't have a massive profile back home because you left really early, didn't you? Yeah, as soon as I got out of karting, I went to Europe and went into the Formula BMW Talent Cup in 2013. And yeah, so I didn't have a, a huge amount of, of Australian following even even now. It was just because I, I was just never around. I, I even went back home to do a race in TCR Australia um, and that was sort of my intro to, to Australian racing. And then I was meant to do another race the next year at the Asia Pacific Cup, which got cancelled due to COVID. So, yeah, definitely not not a huge presence in Australia at all. So how, how many races would you say you've done on Aussie soil? One I didn't start, so I've done <laughs> I've done two. Right. Yeah. Right. One we had a technical issue and, yeah, the race didn't yeah. start, so I've done, I've done two races. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Um, so what led you to the sports car path? What was it that brought you down this road in particular? I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I've, I've never wanted to do Formula One. I've just always been a fan of, of Le Mans prototypes, specifically sports car racing. I've, I've just always been fascinated by, by the car itself. And I've, I've kind of, I've always liked fast and exotic cars and I've never really considered things like open wheelers. They're sort of, you can never really associate that with like a, a road car or anything like that. Whereas mm. I think, I think with, with sports cars, you certainly can. That's that's the best explanation I've been able to come up with. I've just been fascinated with the cars ever since I was a little kid. Uh, boy from Perth. So this warm weather will be suiting you right now, as it is me. Yeah, so it's a lot more humid than Perth, for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, no, definitely I'm a lot more used to it than most other people are here, I think. And where's home for you in this part of the world? Uh, so I live in Antibes, just outside of Nice in France during the year. It's, yeah, it's a bit like Perth. It's sort of that dry, dry, warm kind of climate, and it's really lovely. Yeah, seaside culture. Yeah, exactly. It's just just like Perth, as I'm sure you know. That's not. That's good. Uh, how did test, test day go for you guys? Uh, look, I mean, I think because I'm I'm quite experienced here. The focus was mainly on George and Colin because it's Colin's been here once, and George hasn't actually done the 24 hours before at all. Uh, so definitely 
the main focus was them getting laps, them getting seat time and understanding the car and the track, especially since it is quite a bit different now between this car and the IMSA car. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was just sort of feeling things out, making sure everything's running properly and then we really start to push come Wednesday, Thursday. The LMP2 situation here in terms of their performance has been well documented, but what are the differences and what are what's the feeling difference between this car and what you're racing in IMSA? Uh, so, I mean, the big difference now is is the aero kit. We have a specific aero kit for WEC that we used to only use for Le Mans, but now for the it's used for the entirety of the WEC. And that it provides a lot less drag, but also a lot less downforce, which I'm sure, which George has said he feels, and Colin as well, feels a lot different between the two cars and then the tyres. We have Goodyear tyres here that are mandated for every team, unlike the Michelin tyres, which we race in IMSA. The big difference has been the the Michelin tyres tends to like a lot of combined loads and you can trail the trail the brakes in a lot more than you can with the Goodyear. So it's been a bit of a bit of a learning curve for both George and Colin, but they've they've adapted quite well. And how quickly do you adapt and, and what sort of role do you take in leading that with two guys that perhaps don't have quite that level of experience on this tyre and, and in this package? Oh, I mean I think I think they got to grips with it quite quickly. We had a test in Monza uh, a couple of weeks ago. But I think the big thing here at Le Mans is more the the overtaking GT cars as a as a prototype and what to look out for with the with the GTPs and hypercars coming up behind us. I mean I've I've been asked a few times about like, you know, is this gonna work? Can I go here to pass pass a GT or if I've got a GTP car coming up behind me at this section, do I do I let him pass? Do I stay in front of him? And it's I think that's really been the big thing this week. Everyone I've asked about LMP2 says it's going to be a war. It is ultra competitive. There are 24 cars and a whole heap of them can win. Where, I mean, where do you feel like you guys are placed coming into it? I, I know it's impossible to get a read on performance and where your rivals are sitting, especially after a test day where we can't really draw too many conclusions. But I mean, do you feel like you guys are in the mix? I think so. I think for the Pro-Am category, we are definitely in the mix. Uh, it's, it's always hard to tell at Le Mans, like the people who are who are fast in practice for even even up to even qualifying like there's no it's been a good while since i think i've seen a, an lmp2 pole sitter actually win the race mm. <laughs> mm. i don't i don't think you can really get any sort of gauge where where everyone's at based on the pace in practice alone i think you really have to wait because also the conditions change between saturday afternoon and sunday afternoon so the car could work very well sunday afternoon and and be be way off on sunday afternoon so it's really you honestly can't tell until you really wake up on Sunday morning then you really get a good gauge because and then also that's before you even take reliability into account yeah I mean the the Gibson engine itself has been quite good but we've had the occasional suspension failure we've seen on on LMP2s in the past yeah so it's it's pretty much impossible to tell yeah and and you're in the pro-am race as you said but of course when you get the am driver time out of the way you become a pro car so you can play as you keep yourself within that lead lap or within a couple of laps of the lead you can find yourself in an outright contention as well yeah for sure it's definitely it's a lot more difficult than say IMSA racing in Daytona but for sure if you're if you're in the lead lap going into the going into the final sort of few hours you're definitely in with a shot now it's my first time here uh, I've been fortunate to get around most of the track and have a look and well, it's where have you missed? it's sensational well what I'd like you to do talk me around a lap if you could, in an LMP2 car, starting at the start-finish line, obviously, and work your way around and just just tell me what, what the key bits are and, and walk me through a lap of this incredible place. Okay, well, for sure, I mean, just to start out as a general point, Le Mans has obviously extraordinarily long straights everywhere. So exit speed 
is really like is king. Like that's what you want to do for most of the corners you approach. Starting from the start finish line, you've got the kink before Dunlop and that's totally flat out in a P2 even now, especially now with the less power. Uh, make sure you're perfectly straight before braking because we've seen <laughs> you got the picture out just in case. I, just in John Hindoff is here <laughs> and he's just he's just got the track map out to a guy who's been here five times before. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Most like most important thing for Dunlop is make sure you are absolutely straight before you hit the brakes because we've seen so many years in the past. Someone's turning, they jump on the brakes and the car snaps and goes straight into the right straight into the right hand wall. From there you want to make sure you're quite tight. So I've I've tried to explain it to Colin and George like the second chicane at Monza but a bit bigger. Yep. Where you want to sort of, you want to go in fast, but you want to make sure you exit right all the way on the, like mostly on, on the left, so you can be flat out through the second one, and then obviously stay within track limits, which is something that a lot of people have been getting done for, for the test yesterday. And then you're flat all the way down to the S's, again, making sure you're all the way on the right before turning in. You want to turn in quite early, because it's quite, quite a large sort of banked, banked yep. part. But then you can, on the exit, you can use sort of, maybe leave a car width on the right before going through the next S, which is a lot more difficult because not only is it off camber, but you've got a crest at the end and then an off camber curb, which <laughs> contrary to what it's supposed to do, tends to suck you off into the wall. Yeah. Yeah, suck right. you out into the wall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's well recovered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> so we're, well done. So we're heading down to Tete Rouge. Tete Rouge. Tete Rouge is honestly quite a simple corner. It's uh, You just need to be careful about track limits. Just a quick dab on the brakes down to fourth. And then make sure you're early on the power to get onto the very long Mulsanne straight before your speed trap it in the first Mulsanne chicane. And the straight, how, how much are you taking that opportunity to have a rest? We hear the engineers on the radio going, all right, mate, have a breath, take take a moment. Is that what you're doing down there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's a great, I mean, we have, we're usually in the car for such long periods of time. It's it's really good for all three, all four straights, really. The straights from from Tertia Rouge down to Mulsanne Corner and then even from Mulsanne down to Indianapolis, it is a very good opportunity to have a, a quick breather and just sort of gather your thoughts and and also plan plan your next move if you're if you're coming up behind someone as well. Now first chicane Daytona chicane as it is now. Uh, to go with the Le Mans chicane and Daytona. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Confusing for some. Uh, I imagine braking absolutely critical there. Hundred percent braking and then sort of you want to carry the speed into the first first right as well because that's that's a big point. You can't really prepare prepare the right to. We'll prepare the left to by slowing down the right. You want to carry as much speed into the right as you can, stop for the left, and then get on the power as hard as you can for the second right. Mm. Mm. And then the same, the second chicane is basically the same corner but backwards, so the same philosophy, fast in, slow in the middle, fast out. Are, are they the same corner reversed, or are there, there differences between them? They're a little bit different. You Obviously, you approach the first chicane a bit quicker, mm. so your breaking points are a tad earlier than, than the second chicane, but for sure, once you get in, they are quite similar. And then talk us about the run the final part of the Mulsanne straight and down towards Mulsanne corner. So you come out of the you come out of the second chicane and you just sort of the racing line takes you takes you all the way to the right before that little kink and it's a good good opportunity to make sure a hypercar's not <laughs> not bearing down on you and trying to find their way next to you. Um, and then Mulsanne quite quite straightforward honestly like it's it's a bit tough when you get there because it is blind there's a little kink before the actual corner so you do need to sort of get your bearings before you really try to attack there but just quick sharp turn in at the 100 meters to break just across the flat curb at the kink and then go out as wide as you can I noticed they've, it looks like they've taken a little bit out of a little bit of tarmac out of the first part and then a lot of tarmac on the exit um, and yeah just get the car turned early and get on the power as hard as you can because you've got another 
massively long straight afterwards. And, and a, a different character straight to what we've experienced on that long run down from Tet Rouge all the way to Mulsan because it feels narrower, there's more trees around and a bit more undulation and a bit more camber on the road as well, perhaps? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're blind coming over the, the two kinks and as well you have to be careful when you're trying to pass a GT because occasionally you get one that's not quite paying attention behind him and he sort of <laughs> goes to the apex while you're there. And, it, and the curves on the inside of those kinks are very unfriendly as well. They can really unsettle the car and cause big problems. Fortunately, we're not taking off like they used to in the 90s, but... Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> hope not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, I've been coming out of... Is it the second kink? There's like these trees. I've looked into the trees and there's some that are like hit over. Are they just Is that from that? No, they've just fallen off, okay. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's been in that recently. <laughs> well, I just meant like maybe they just left it since the since they dug the murk out of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, dig we, up. Can't, we can't replant the trees. Yeah, true. Uh, Indy, Indianapolis. Indianapolis is for me probably the most treacherous corner on the entire circuit really yeah because all it takes is you to take that little bit too much speed into the kink and you don't get slowed down for indianapolis you miss the banking and you straighten the straighten the gravel trap if you're lucky yeah, yeah. so yeah quick dab on the brakes just at the start of the astroturf going into the kink a downshift makes it a lot easier if you go into yeah. fifth then you've just got less to do going into going into the actual indianapolis corner yeah turn in right at the end of the curve make sure you catch that banking and then hard on the power even though it's not really a very long straight you do want to just get on it because there is so much grip with the banking overtaking opportunity i did it i did it once in, in <laughs> i did it I once did, i did it once in 2017 <laughs> yeah. on a gt yeah. and it, i learned yeah, right. <laughs> i see not, uh not the best no keep walking us around to arnage arnage is the slowest corner on the circuit and you really do feel it it's you, you wouldn't think so with with how mulsan is profiled but mm. arnage is just a incredibly slow and low grip corner yeah. <laughs> it's quite tough um but it's it's narrower on on the entry than it is on the exit so it's deceptively an early apex yeah. you just kind of want to cut across the curb and then like you sort of carry carry speed across the curb and then make sure you're hard on the power but then you do have a whole lot of room on the exit as long mm. as you're not going on onto the astroturf and onto the curb it's you can get on it quite 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 hard mm. and obviously be very careful of that wall that is conveniently placed right on the curb of the exit of the corner. Now the next session uh, section is extremely famous, as they all are, yeah. but I imagine in an LMP2 car on a slick tyre, laden with downforce, Porsche curves must be pretty decent to drive. Yeah, I, th I think Porsche, for every prototype driver, the Porsche curves are everyone's favourite. Are you like just a tiniest, tiniest dab on the brakes into like when you cross the AstroTurf down one gear and then you're straight back on the power all the way through Porsche 2, 3 and then another tiny brake and then downshift again to fourth roll as much speed as you can and then you're back on the power and you're flat through the last t corner at karting mm. is it one of those corners where if you get the first bit wrong it affects your momentum the whole way through for sure if you're slow through the first one you're slow through all of them because you can't really change what you do once once you've got through like you still you are still going to have to break into into porsche 4 you're mm. still going to have to downshift so that little drop in momentum just carries all the way down through all of the corners and it it's you don't you feel like you've got it right and then you've lost like half a second a second if you're not careful yeah and in a field this close that's a, a big margin so we're past the cutting track and then into that final chicane which on paper looks so simple but how many times have we seen people caught out by the Ford chicane yeah absolutely i mean we've ugh, i couldn't couldn't count the amount of people that have either missed the curb on the on the on the right or tried to overcommit and ended up in the motor wall on the left um but yeah it's just you kind of you almost have to treat it like all four corners like one corner you're sort of always 
you've got one break and then one application of power. So you're sort of breaking, breaking quite hard and then rolling speed through the first two. And then you're still, you sort of have like another little break just to get the gears down and prepare yourself for the last one. But you're always, you never get back on the gas. If you have to get back on the gas between the two, mm. you're going, you've gone too slow through the first one. Mm. So you just kind of feel like you're on the nose the whole time. And then if you've got it right, you're well, you're sort of trying to manage the car as best as you can just to be well placed for the last sort of chicane. And then you jump over the curb for the first left, for the second left, sorry, and then straight back hard on the power through the last corner and onto the main straight and hopefully to a checkered flag hopefully yes yeah. <laughs> to the end of the race um that's a great description thank you I've, I've learned plenty there and it's such a it's a long lap but it's so complex and so many different elements and if you get one part of it wrong it can affect so much more of that lap especially the straight and the Porsche curves um as you said it's great to catch up with you um I wish you all the best of luck this weekend there's not many of us here this year from down under so it's you and Briscoe in the race and that's about it yeah, that is actually. I, I was surprised because I thought Matt Campbell was going to be driving the Porsche. It's a, it's a real shame that he's not here. But so did he. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't know. If, uh, okay, yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to. No, they might come knocking one day. You don't want to get involved in that. Um, no, well done. You're flying the flag brilliantly, though, for uh, those of us following your career back home. Congratulations and all the very best for the weekend. Thank you so much. Well, the people you meet at Le Mans, I'm sitting here outside the United Autosport Hospitality, which is a triple plus service. Uh, and I found another Australian. Scotty Andrews is with me. Hello, mate. Hey, Richard. Good to see you. You too. Uh, of all the places to bump into each other, this is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Can't really get much better than this. How under, are you? Under the French sun. Mm. Yeah, well, um, good. Just uh, came from the Detroit Grand Prix. And uh, yeah, here in um, yeah, sunny France, ready to uh, go racing with United Autosports in the LMP3. And uh, my teammate Jerry Kraut, so we're very excited. Uh, let's talk about Detroit first. Mm -hmm. uh, there were a lot of comments about that circuit before we saw any racing on it, but yep. it turned out to be a racy little joint. Yeah, it was a really fun track to drive. I felt the flow was a lot of fun. And like you said, it actually turned out more racy than we all thought. There's a lot of corners that like, kind of turn back on themselves and there's good opportunities to set up a pass. So... Yeah, I thought overall the track was good and it was actually a lot of fun. The energy was great. Um, a lot of people came out for the race. The grandstands were packed. Everything. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and here with United Autosports, so both sides of the Atlantic for you this year. What's the feeling coming into this race for you? Yeah, well, you know, Jerry and I, we've, uh, we've been racing P3 cars together for probably five years or more even. And, uh, yeah, so he's... Well, we both, we're doing it for fun, you know, mm. so we're just enjoying ourselves and, and just trying to have a good time. Um, we did this two years ago and we ended up leading the championship while having some fun. So hopefully, uh, yeah, we had a bit of bad luck at Barcelona, but we can turn it around and, you know, he's, uh, every year he's, he's, he's 72. Seventy-one. Seven, sorry. Seventy-one. Seventy-one. <laughs> <laughs> so he will have right of reply in a minute. I'll ask him some questions in a there minute. There goes my salary. Yeah, yeah, you're gone. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> so he's he's seventy-one, and he just seems to get better every year. Um, fine wine, I guess they say. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. We'll we'll see how we go this year, but the main the main goal is fun. And uh, if we get some results out of it, then that's 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 a bonus. I was going through the roads in the Mont field it's awesome like 58 cars i think and 30 plus lmp3 so this is 
dogfight territory isn't in a short 55 minute race which isn't a lot of laps yeah not a lot of laps here but good amount of passing zones mm. but um you're right it is it's very uh it's full-on but Le Mans Cup is always like this not just this race but the whole mm. season um you've got 25 to 30 cars that probably 20 15 to 20 of them can win you know with their driver combinations and stuff so it's always it's always a lot of fun you and I spoke on this show, uh, it must have been 18 months ago now, I think, and you were in Miami and there was something about Roger Federer's tennis racket or something like that from memory. You and James Davison were doing something. No, no, crazy. no. We, so we actually spoke... Was it last year? No, it was two, It was Le Mans 2021, yep. two years ago, but okay. it wasn't actually two years ago because that Le Mans was in September, It right? was, yep. correct. So, and I did that with Kessel, with yes. Ferrari. Yep. And we did this race as well. Yep. Um, and that was no, that was Roman Grosjean. Roman Grosjean, that's tennis right. racket that I was holding for him. Um, have you given it back yet? I don't have it, so okay. I seem to remember <laughs> that I gave it back to him. But yeah, Roman's a cool guy. Um, mm. Yeah, because probably at that time I was racing for a simulator team. Yes. And then actually this year we won the virtual Le Mans. All right. Uh, in a Ferrari for his team mm. for RHE which was a huge thing um, because the virtual Le Mans is very serious people take that very seriously right mm. so for us to win and beat the best sim teams and drivers in the world mm. um, and then for me as well like you know I, I, w I wouldn't say I'm a self-proclaimed sim guru but I go alright on them yeah and uh, but it, you, you were doing it before way before, before COVID. you came over yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, w I was racing for some top teams um, in some of the early on professional esports teams mm. in sim racing, sort of before, sort of before you could actually get paid to do it. Yeah. Um, whereas now it's actually a job for a lot of these people, which yeah. is amazing because you know it gives these kids like such a good opportunity to learn about how to be professional. Because mm. to run a like a successful simulator team, mm. there's surprisingly a lot of similarities as far as management level goes to running a like a real life professional race team. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's such a good opportunity for these kids, and uh, I mean, Roman's got um, you know some some people that helped him in Formula One and things like that on our side of the team, and we've mm. got some really sharp engineers, some from real life and some that are coming through, you know, university yep. and stuff. They join our team and then they try to go on to bigger, better things. Uh, tell me about Le Mans in an LMP3 car. It's fun. We're quick around here. Mm. We are. Uh, I think last year in practice I did like a 3.45, yep. 3.45, um, which is quicker than the GTE Pro cars in quality. Yeah. Um, obviously the GTE cars right now are not fast, but mm. I'm sure as the track rubbers in, they'll get a bit quicker. Uh, by quality, they should show about pretty close what they can do. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, and we're 10 to 15 k's an hour slower on the straights than a gte car than a gte wow so we're topping out at about 290 yep and gte you're doing over 300 yep and but we're a good five seconds a lap quicker yeah so you know it's Hello just aero. all braking mm. all aero like our third sector is surprisingly quick and um the porsche curves for me it's like fifth gear the whole way through really and and we run long gears here yeah so fifth gear is like basically my minimum speed through porsche curves is like 225 k's wow. an hour yeah. yeah that's that's not far off an lmp2 car going through the data after the test day and i think 
the quickest one on Porsche out was 248, I think, and that's an LMP2 car, which is a bit more loaded with aero than your car. So, exiting car. Uh, yeah. I think I was 231 or 232. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Exiting karting. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the P3 cars, they're pretty underrated things. They're um, they're a great car to drive. Surprisingly difficult. Yeah. It's honestly easier to drive a P2 car. The P2 guys are going to hate me for saying it, but even a DPI car is easier to drive than an really? P3 car. Wow. For sure. Yeah, like, yeah. to just jump in and drive within X amount of tenths of mm. what the pace is, yeah, the P3 car is one of the hardest. I'm going to have a chat to your yeah, co-pilot for here, sure, if absolutely. I can. Uh, it's nice to meet you, Jerry. Nice to meet you. Um, we've followed this bloke's career for a long time. Uh, I remember him in Formula Ford and a great little series called Commodore Cup back in Australia, which was fantastic racing. Uh, what did you make of young Scotty here, and, and what do you get out of, of pairing up with him in this car? Oh, I get a lot. I mean, it's just made my uh, racing adventure a lot more enjoyable than it's ever been. You know, I've been racing for over 30 years on a consistent basis. I started long, long before that. Um, Scott raced a F2000 car with our team back in the... 2013. 2013. Well, okay. Yep. And uh, I was at Monza in Italy in 2017. We ran into each other, got reacquainted, and he mentioned to me that he was fastest in the morning session, which was very impressive. And I don't know what prompted me to do it, but I said, well, maybe you and I should race together next year. And so that's when our relationship started. And we've been racing together in P3s ever since. And we've had, I think, great success from my perspective, you know. Um, and Scott has made me quicker as a driver and, and uh, more thoughtful as a driver. Um, and it's just a good partnership. I just like being around him. My family likes being around him. He's just an all-around all good guy. Plus, he's super fast. Yeah. Um, there's just no denying that. I mean, every time we go to a track, he lays down the quickest lap of the weekend at some point. Yeah. And people go, wow. Yeah. You know, so um, his career is pretty well uh, secure now, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much longer I'll do this. Yeah. You know, age <laughs> has a tendency to creep up on you, believe me. Uh, but uh, as long as I'm healthy and as long as he's available, I'll continue to drive with him. That's awesome. What do you make of having the opportunity to come and run at this event in particular? I mean, it's just, it's so special to come to this place and experience the build-up, let alone what it must be like being on track. Oh yeah, it is for sure. And the, the reason I got into P3 is to give myself an opportunity to do the road to Le Mans. Sure. So in 2016, uh, when Liget brought P3 to Elkhart Lake uh, in, in Wisconsin, yeah. um, I bought the car. And the idea was ultimately to do the road to Le Mans, because my lifetime dream has been to drive this track. Yeah. Not in the 24-hour. I didn't think that was realistic, but somehow. And they and the ACO provided the opportunity. So that's what started the whole thing. Wow. This is such a privilege to be here um, and drive this track. The first time I got on the track in, 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 in 17 and turned on to the Malsan, I thought, my God, I'm actually on the Malsan yes. straight. Yeah. You know? And you just put the hammer and I said, See, when do we break here? You know, <laughs> I mean, you just go, 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 go. So um, it's just special, regardless of what happens. 
you know, during the race, there's lots of slow zones, and you never really get a clean lap, but it's still a special experience. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's great to see you and Scotty going so well, and I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Thank you very much. Appreciate great it. Great yep. to meet you. Um, what's next for you, mate? Uh, what, what's next on the agenda? Back to the States? Or more um, here? Well, what's initially next is uh, free practice tomorrow. Very good. <laughs> and then after that, yeah, um, everything in the States definitely ramps up in the middle of the year, mm. sort of June, July, August. We're very busy with four IMSA races in that space of two, two or so months plus all the testing that we do. So it's basically two races a month plus testing. So almost every weekend yeah. I'm going to be somewhere. Uh, you know, so it's always nice that we have actually a little bit of a break in... Uh, in the European season yeah. um, with Le Mans Cup and everything else. So so that's nice. So that's pretty much what I've got on next. Just gonna be flat out in the US. Um, and then we've got some some uh, some things happening in IMSA that haven't been announced yet, but cool. pretty excited. And uh, to sort of continue down the path that we have sort of been going down um, in, in what we've been doing recently. Um, you know, in the, in the, with our GS program, yep. the IMSA GT4 yep. stuff. So, kind of a continuation on that. Yeah. And we're pretty excited about it. Awesome. Yeah. It's good to see you, mate. Yeah, you too, It's great mate. to see you. Really. It's amazing the people you bump into in motorsport paddocks around the world. But, it's uh, awesome. Of all the places. Well done. Good to see you. And I hope you both go well this weekend. Thank you very much. Thanks, Richard. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. Dale Rogers attended the Australian Speedway Awards held in Melbourne last week. It was a who's who of the Speedway world, all in one place, celebrating an amazing 2022-23 summer on the dirt tracks of Australia. Let's head to Dale now, who caught up with some of those big names. Kevin Migro, Speedway Manager at Quinano Motorplex. Great to see you over at the awards. Yeah. Uh, how has your season been? Been amazing. Uh, very humbled by our season. We uh, had a record-breaking season, had a, uh, a great uh, big crowds, um, great racing. Obviously, the Australian title was just amazing. Um, you know, we've got on, on TV, on 7 Plus, um, which has been great, and obviously seven mate for the replays and all that sort of stuff so we, you know we're we're, uh, we're doing some really good things and it's great to be a time for speedway in western australia and our series the maddington toyota series paying record money i think we just paid about 100 grand out last weekend as well so you know just last weekend or for last season i think we paid out about five hundred thousand dollars in prize money so um you know for, for wa uh, sprint car racing so yeah really really good so um yeah very humbled by where we're at now at the moment with speedway it's been a long time since we've seen Speedway on, on a free-to-air platform yep. and, and it's been very well produced. So there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work. But do you think this really now sets the standard for how we can move forward and perhaps other tracks can really look at this model and, and look at it in other states? Yeah, look, it can. I mean, we've, um, you know, obviously the biggest thing is, um, you know, the, the free-to-air type networks are, are, have got some keenness to be involved. But it's, it, I think the only thing that we, 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 sometimes Speedway can be its own worst enemy. Um, Dean Neal's been amazing with putting it together. Um, he's got some great contacts through obviously his production stuff and directing that he's doing with um, you know through a whole raft of sports including AFL and you know the waffle in Perth and stuff like that so we I'm just hoping that Speedway doesn't mess it up. So um, we've, we've sort of taken it on the journey, um, and I think it's it's a long term. It's a it's a bit of a marathon, and I think if we can um, continue to showcase it, uh, venues upgrade a little bit better, you know, better facilities, those sorts of things, and then then perhaps the networks will jump on board. So I think it's really important. Bit of chicken and egg, I reckon, but um, uh, 
um, yeah, I think the sport, uh, particularly our way with our TV stuff, is um, is, is certainly going to showcase the sport going forward. The Sprint Car Entrance Group, uh, led by Jeff Kendrick, is very, very positive, very proactive on it. Maddington Toyota is very proactive on it as well, um, and so they're a big pusher to make us do that. So, you know, from our perspective, it's um, it, it, we, it, hopefully we can keep the juggernaut rolling and keep heading in the right direction. So, yeah. WA really, I mean, it, it, it's one of the, the strongest states for, uh, for Speedway of all categories in Australia, a long way away from the eastern coast, of course. Um, your overview, sort of the helicopter view of Speedway in Australia at the moment? Look, it's healthy. Uh, funnily enough, I think, you know, when COVID happened, you know, we were all a bit of doom and gloom. But 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 what actually happened is um, I think it actually uh, benefited us, um, and unfortunately a lot of states didn't get to race during that period. So all of a sudden the spotlight was on us, and and I guess we you know I mean not being egotistical, but we proved that yeah, how you can run really good events with quality quality racing, quality product, quality classes, and and that that has certainly helped us uh, immensely. So I think, but but Speedway is very healthy nationally across the board um, with with competitors um, and. Uh, Obviously, spectators increase across the board as well. Um, there's a couple of challenges coming up, but I think um, yeah, generally it's in a good space. So hopefully, like I said, hopefully our sport doesn't mess it up. That's that's the thing. That's you know that's just being brutally honest. You know, Dennis Newland inducted into the Speedway Hall of Fame tonight. A great honour for you. Oh yes, I'm. Uh, I've am overwhelmed, uh, Dale. Uh, I feel very lucky and very privileged to do a job that I've enjoyed so much. Uh, I started writing in 1966 and, of course, followed the sport through my parents who met through Speedway, so I've inherited the sport at a very early age. But, um, no, look, uh, full marks to Speedway Australia. I also thank the people who nominated and voted for me. And I also congratulate the other uh, Hall of Fame inductees tonight. This is an honour. This is a real honour. And um, over the years... Um, I've seen so many wonderful people and so many wonderful stories that have come out of Speedway. And, and tonight we see the, the glittery, the, the galaxy of stars here tonight. It's, it's just fabulous. Fabulous for the sport of Speedway. Dennis, obviously the sport was, was, it was tough during COVID. We had obviously a lot of events didn't take place. What's your view on sort of Speedway in 2023? Where are we at? Well, I think it's reached a, uh, a professional level. Uh, that we've never seen in previous decades. Uh, the money that is invested into the sport, it's a multi-million dollar industry. The professionalism of the race teams, and not only the car drivers, but our bike riders are doing well overseas, uh, in Europe, in the British League, in Poland, Sweden, Denmark. Uh, Australian Speedway uh, in the modern era is more professional than ever before. Right. And, uh, Thanks, Dennis, and congratulations. Uh, really great to see you. Thanks very much, Dale. Great to be here. Thank you. Ron Cricky inducted into the Hall of Fame tonight at the Speedway Awards. In it. it must be a great thrill. Absolutely. Um, actually, I meant to uh, say it up there before. It bookends my career because um, I won the Rookie of the Year in my first ever year of racing, and to completely cement over it with now with the Hall of Fame, it uh, it, it it puts. I think, um, as the Ravel said earlier, the icing on the cake for uh, for all careers, you know, and especially mine. 
WA uh, Speedway at the moment really in, in great health if you look at around the country. There's a lot of great things happening over there. It's, uh, do you, th- you really feel the groundswell on the sport now in WA? Oh, I think so. I mean, um, you, know, you look at the staff of the Motorplex, is they're doing everything right. You know, they're pushing the sport, they're, they're getting the crowds, you know, they're getting the competitors. You know, they're putting, them, they're putting their bums on the line and the money on the line. Competitors coming from all over Australia, they're doing the right things. So, very good. And sport in general, I mean, you, we've seen a big picture of it tonight with, with a lot of categories being, being represented. So, overall health looks pretty good. I think so. I think uh, the sport can't be in better, uh, in better hands and better health of the way things are looking now, that everyone's achieving what they put out to get. The tracks are going well, you know, to see tracks um, get, get noticed and achieve what they did tonight, you know, is, is very, very good. And what I said about Speedway Australia tonight earlier, you know, they're out there to help all the tracks and they're doing that too, so that's tremendous. Tim Hodges at the uh, Speedway Australia Awards tonight, an outstanding contribution award for what was a really outstanding season with your sprint car team. Yeah, thanks. It was, um, it was awesome. It was, uh, yeah, a real thrill and nice to be recognised. So, um, yeah, tickle pink uh, to, to get it and to... Uh, to go up on stage was yeah it was, it was great it was sort of um, I don't know I guess validation that it was uh, all the hard work and lost sleep was worth it. You put together some great partners uh, you put some some real identities not only in motorsport but in sport together to do this you've got a great driver great sponsorship and but you also cracked a lot of things that Speedway has not done and that is really get some extraordinary media coverage. Yeah well I mean I work in that space like you, so it's um you'd like to know that think that like to think that you sort of know the space pretty well, and I think with the partners we brought in was um, uh, we knew that we could probably manipulate that a bit, um, and that was from a a, a local level, a, a Melbourne level, uh, with Jack Rewalt. Like any time you bring an AFL footballer to the Herald Sun, you're going to get space, and you know we got we got multiple double page spreads in the Herald Sun. Like, Speedway's never done that. So, um, and then with Scott, like you know, we were able to get uh, national motorsport. So, um, and then there was international interest there for a while. So it was, it was really, it went gangbusters for a while. So it was cool. Um, yeah. So uh, I'd like to think that that's was it was our aim to make a splash and to help sell the event and the sport and our driver. And I, I think we did that. You've had time to reflect now, and I sense there might be a bit of uh, let's go again. Oh, there's probably unfinished business just because, like, we were leading the thing. Like, we were leading the... I mean, we ran nine events, um, uh, podium six times. We won three, and we were leading the one that we wanted the most, and we finished fifth, and that was our worst finish, uh, which was, um, you know, there's a little bit of unfinished business there. Uh, I did offer the guys, um, Scotty and Jack and Jared, their, their money back if they wanted it, and uh, they all said, nah, let it roll. So um, I'd like to think that uh, I hope I, I would love Napa Auto Parts to go again. I'm not sure if they will. They're not sure if they will. So you know that's where we're in that sort of May nego- uh, June June negotiations at the moment. So uh, I think I would like to do it again. Um, but you probably don't want to go and do it and lose money. So um, uh, I, I think James would absolutely love it again. He loved the he loved the team we had. Um, and the opportunity we gave him, I love the fact that Buzzy retired and then came out of retirement, which was cool. Like, he's just an icon, and it was 
Uh, he's a massive footy head, so he loved talking to me about footy, and I, I think he like, I think that's probably bored by me asking Shrinker questions from the eighties and nineties. Um, but you know, like he's, um, he was our wise old head, so it was awesome. So yeah, I, we all had a ball, um, and my two best mates from home, like Ryan O'Keefe, who's here tonight, and um, it was just so good to work on something that we was like, we're going to remember this forever. <laughs> Um, and we will, we will. And we sort of still, we were pinching ourselves during it, going, fuck, we're, we're doing this. <laughs> we're actually doing it. And we talked about it for months and months and months and months, and then there were weeks there, it was like, it's not going to happen, it's going to fall, let's give it away, and then it happened. So, and it went pretty well. Well, richly deserved award, and uh, congratulations, mate. Thanks, Dale, I appreciate it. Good on you. There's more great motorsport stories coming next. On the grid. All right, joining me to have a chat about what's happening in the world of motor racing, as he always does towards the end of the program. Mark Walker, good day to you. Good day to you, Tony Shebecki. Well done on making it to the podcast. Are we allowed to sledge all the people who haven't turned up for this podcast at this stage? Well, well hopefully, he might do it. Well, Crail's a very busy man. Exactly. Uh, the thing is, I think everyone's joined the podcast at some point in some way. <laughs> I, I don't know how the hell I've put this one together, but we've got it there. Great to have you on board, mate, and uh, a big weekend of motorsport we have just had, and uh, where should we start it? Formula One. Yeah. Let's start cool. at Formula start One. Another boring race. We'll, we'll just uh, insert our review from any of the other Grand Prix this year. <laughs> Easy. Done. That was a good chat. Well done. Congratulations, yeah. Max Verstappen. Um, he is really stinking up Formula One, isn't he? Yeah, he's running away with it, isn't he? You know, Formula One's at the peak of the wave at the moment. It's... You know, we've got all the Netflix interest involved and, you know, you're coming off the back of that 2021 decider and last year, oh, okay, well, it was a bit competitive at times. Yeah. Right now, this is bad. Like, I don't know what the sport's going to do. You know, obviously, Mercedes stepped up on the weekend. They're a lot more competitive than they have been. The upgrades clearly have worked some, but... Uh, Ferrari's weaknesses were shown even more, weren't they, in the Spanish oh. GP? Well, I mean, Leclerc starting down the back uh, from the pit lane, that certainly didn't help his cause. Carlos was in the mix there to an extent, but um, yeah, there's just no no answer for Max at the moment. He is absolutely smoking them. And, uh, you know, relative to the margin that he had in Monaco last week, that was more dominant this time around in Spain because uh, yeah. last time he played a long strategy with the pit stops, made one less pit stop, had a 27-second uh, margin this time with an absolutely straightforward race. He had 24 seconds. So uh, ridiculous stuff there. So his last three race wins on the trot between Miami. I mean, that was a pretty close run thing. But Checo had a reasonable run there. So he's won three races in a row with a margin of 57 seconds. Mm, uh, absolutely amazing. And what I also thought was amazing about the race as well, and one of the comments post-race was that uh, Fernando Alonso finished seventh, his worst result. Of what of the year, which is not a bad thing for Fernando, but the fact that he actually said that Aston Martin didn't have a plan in terms of strategy when it came to the Spanish Grand Prix. That's odd. How could you not have a plan? Surely you'd have some sort of idea what you're doing. He was Probably nowhere. Not. He was nowhere in the weekend, uh, which is a reasonably typical sort of thing for him on home soil, unfortunately. But uh, there you go. Um, uh, Aussie Oscar was sort of in the mix there for some points yeah. early on, but they faded later on. Lando qualified really well, but got snotted off the track there at the first corner, and he was uh, done for the day. 
reasonably straightforward sort of race in the end there. Shame that the rain didn't come. We were sort of hoping that the rain was going to come and everyone bolted on soft tyres there at the end, but it really didn't affect anything in the final run down. I suppose the bright side, the next race is Canada, and that is the sort of event where anything can happen. Had some weird races there in the past, back to the street circuit sort of thing. Maybe that'll suit Checo. Hopefully we'll see somebody who's not Max up there mixing it up. We just need to see something different. You're right. Just Absolutely. Anyone. Something, anything, anything. The good thing is just it, mechanically, like you're not having DNFs. The things sound like yeah. they just keep getting stronger and stronger. So anyway, we'll see uh, how that pans out in Canada. Yeah, we certainly will. Uh, IndyCar? IndyCar. Um, Detroit, the new circuit downtown. No, can I dip into my power rankings very early? Yeah, no, please do. Look, the, the race was good. It was a good race. It was a crazy sort of race. There was lots of a lot different of concrete. Parts. A lot of concrete. Jeez. Um, I, I think the race was actually pretty good. I didn't have a problem with that at all. We were team chaos here at On The Grid, and yep. that had some chaos about it, which is uh, what you want to see. But that track, no, oh, pass. I think yeah. that was a bit of a own goal. Yeah, I, I delved into the comment section on the internet, which is a dangerous thing to do at the best of times. But uh, just to get a bit of a feel for what the punters trackside and in North America were thinking about it. And people in Detroit, they're fiercely proud of downtown now. It's not the ghetto that it once used to be. It's got this bad rap around the world. You know, it's got this terrible sort of reputation, but they've put a big effort into that downtown area down by the mm. river that they've tarted it up and it's a lot better and safer and nicer than it used to be. So they've planted the IndyCar race from the island that was out in the middle, which was hard to get at. It was a pokey sort of thing to get to. Um, you wouldn't necessarily be able to get all the people over there. And it's hard work, but it looked brilliant out there in the middle of the yep. river. And they've planted the track on the block around the uh, GM Jensen there, the HQ for General Motors, which is great for General Motors and all the head honchos who could sit at their desk and have their sandwiches and watch the race from their desk. But I'll tell you what, visually, it just looked rubbish, didn't it? Mm. You know, it's yeah. such a drab sort of backdrop, bumpy, hokey-pokey streets, 90-degree corners. It was pretty average. It didn't really sell Detroit. That didn't, you know, you look at the street circuits we have here in Australia, you go to the Gold Coast. Yeah. It makes you want to go to the Gold Coast. You go to Newcastle. Albert Park, magnificent. Even you go up to Townsville and they have the helicopter shots of Castle yeah. Hill and all that sort of caper. And it's just, it's selling the town. But uh, they had the helicopter shots there at Detroit on the weekend and they were showing us Belle Isle where the race used to be. So look at this beautiful park out here where we used to have the race. And then look at this car park here. Anyway. Uh, so, Romain uh, Grosjean, good to see that he's continued where he left off in F1. Oh, he's had four shunts and seven starts. Paul Romain and his uh, his uh, main sparring partner is Scott McLaughlin. Yes. Who's, still, there's three or four events this year where they've come to blows out there, which is mm. fairly remarkable. And I think that sort of run in on the weekend possibly cost Scotty a, a better result than he was on for. There, he was um, he qualified really well up at the front of the field, got sort of hung out to dry on the race start, and was on for a podium possibly. But uh, at the end of the day, had to settle for seventh. So not a terrible day, but a bit of a bounce back after a, a tough month of May for Scotty there in Indianapolis. But uh, right, for his teammate though, Will Power. 
Yeah, P2, he was up there as well. Uh, the, the crazy restarts sort of got to him in the end, but um, Alex Plough, he uh, got the win and he's now out there in front of the points standing. So uh, interesting race, just lots of little things going on. We didn't see any of those. We saw that crazy uh, pit lane set up there with a double wide, yeah. but there was never any sort of safety cars where everyone dived into the pits at the same time. So we sort of got rescued from having a, a complete fracas at the end of the pit lane there as everyone tried to squeeze out of there. So, uh, yeah, Alex Blau with the win. Um, is it his championship to lose at the moment? Oh, he's skipping away a bit early? out there. You know, it's still too early. There's a lot to, to happen. You know, but you go back to Scotty and Will, they're 100 points off the pace. So they've mm. got to really uh, sharpen their pencils uh, towards the end of the season, which is what they did last year in the Penske camp. So... Uh, anything can definitely happen. But a few of the good guys there had tough days. Marcus Ericsson, uh, Joseph Newgarden, ninth and 10th. Uh, Pato Award, he's second DNF in two races. So that was particularly costly for him. Uh, Willie Power there, second um, podium for the year. So he's um, he's still consistent and was definitely in the shout with, uh, for a win there. So that uh, the IndyCars will roll on to Road America. So that'll be a good race. It's always a classic race up there in Wisconsin. It it's a beautiful circuit. So uh, it really suits the IndyCars and that place really comes alive for them. So uh, one to look forward to for the IndyCars. Take us through the NASCAR race on the weekend. NASCAR, they're at Gateway this week. Um, Austin Sindrick seemed to crash into a lot of people. And I think he, by the time this podcast drops, he, uh, he might be in some real big strife because it looked like he hooked a car going down the main straight, which is the same offence that got Chase Elliott uh, benched last week for his uh, run-in with Denny Hamlin in Charlotte. But, uh, yeah, Sindrick was in a bit of biffo. Uh, Ross Chastain's victim this week was Michael McDowell, who's an absolute retribution specialist, I've got to tell you, Shebex. <laughs> I remember he once um, dumped Marcus Ambrose for something that happened much, much earlier. So, uh Look out, Ross. It'll be somewhere down the track where he least suspects it. He'll wind up on his head. So uh, keep that in mind for later in the season. Lots and lots of cautions late. Uh, Bubba Wallace brought one out with five laps to go. Uh, Bubba was one of the four cars that had brake failure at uh, the Gateway Raceway. They're long, straight, tight corners, and they had a whole heap of uh, stoppages during the race, red flags, which clearly uh, cracked those rotors. And Carson Hosova stepping up here to brake failure. Tyler Reddick had one. Noah Gregson had an absolute Ooh. shocker. He pancaked the fence big time. Poor old Noah. Well, they have five restarts in like the last 40 or 50 laps or something, do they? Oh, 100%. Yeah, everyone went a bit crazy. Uh, and that chunk with Noah actually sent a bit of stuff into the crowd, which is something we talked about last week. That is an yeah. absolute red hot, hard knot. Yeah, you don't want to see that stuff happening. But uh, at the end of the day, it was Kyle uh, Bush's race. Uh, he was leading with the five laps to go when Bubba's caution came out and he managed to hold on for the restart. That was his third win for the year, which uh, seems like it was a pretty good career move to go to Richard Childress Motorsport because uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, their whole four-car outfit's only got three wins to the season to date. So he's made a good life choice, I think, there by going there. Um, the race actually ran quite long with multiple red flag cleanups and lightning holes for about two hours. They had mm. this funny rule over there where they've had spectators struck by lightning previously. Yeah. So if there's a lightning strike within whatever it is, 15 Ks of the circuit, it doesn't matter where they shut the race down for half an hour. Well, the spectators are still going to be in the stand. So this. Oh yeah. They've got to stand somewhere. So yeah. um, anyway, 
but that's going to solve that's that really thing. considerate of them it is but uh yeah. all those delays the the race actually ran long and bumped the soccer off fox sports one there in the usa Hang which on. i'm i'm fine with i'm absolutely okay with that that's a good effort uh good thing is lightning never strikes twice so all the people that have been hit like lightning, just get them in the crowd and you're fine. That's a, that's a, wow. Yeah, that could be the free ticket promotion as you go into new markets. We're going to save this race meeting. <laughs> uh, good on Kyle Bush. Good to see him get a, a win under his belt. Yep. No, he's doing uh, quite well for himself there and uh, racking up those bonus points to put towards the playoffs at the end of the year. Fair bit going on this weekend, Shebex. So, there is one. Yeah, we head to Winton for the Speed Series, the Shannon Speed Series, and uh, all your favourite uh, ARG categories will be there. TCR, S5000s. Uh, the Trans Ams will be there as well, which is fantastic. Formula Ford is there also. Uh, sports sedans, they've got uh, a great field this weekend. Yeah, Ripper. Tony Riccadello's back. Old 11 That's time. Be old 11 time. And Winton's the sort of track where... It spices up the sports sedans because it, you know, you look at Riccadelli's thing, well, big horsepower, fast thing on the straights. There aren't many big straights at Winton. So no. some of the other turbocharged cars and whatnot can really come into their own. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It's great to have the sports sedans back on the national program. Uh, Vat touring cars, S5000, you mentioned, good fields across the board. I, I think, <coughs> sorry. I think the thing this week is going to be the rain uh, leading mm -hmm. up to it. There's going to be um, a whole heap of rainfall in that region, about 70 mil. Great, uh, thanks. On, Beautiful. On Wednesday and Thursday. So, uh, yeah, if you wind up putting it in the beach, um, you're going to be in a whole heap of strife. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. When winter you gets wet. You want to keep it on the island. Yeah. When winter gets wet, it puts a whole new terminology to the beach. There's no doubt about that. Looking forward to that. Should be a fantastic program if you want to watch it. You can watch it uh, live on Stan. And uh, it's sort of Winton's big round for the year. You know, they've brought back the camping and all, all that sort of thing that they normally have up there for the V8s. But clearly with no V8s this week, um, they've, this year, they've brought yeah. the, the camping on for this meet. So that's great, but it's going to be one degree overnight on Saturday night. Yeah. So, yeah, good luck to good. us campers. Yay. Yeah, very much looking forward to <laughs> very much looking forward to that. Uh, all right, time to kick it off with our hots and knots for the week. Uh, Mark, would you like to start with your hot or not? I'll go with hots. Okay. Hots this week. Um, hot goes to Alana Flack, becoming the first female driver to win an event in a multi-round Australian karting championship in 26 years in Newcastle over the weekend. Excellent. Uh, when she cleaned up in Cadet 12. Uh, the first win for a girl since Leanne Tander was victorious back in 1997. So... Uh, She's well and truly on the right path. Good racing family there. So uh, watch that name, Alana Flack. She is absolutely going places. Um, from Le Mans, I'd like to give a hot to the Peugeot livery. And that is an absolute capital H-O-T. Yeah. I think that looks absolutely horn. Their uh, new hypercar looks absolutely mega. Better, and... better than my dinosaur livery from last week? Oh, it's... Look, apples and oranges. Mm, yeah. Literally. So um, I think the Peugeot looks good. And I guess by the time that this dropped, they probably would have released the GT3 Mustang, I think was being launched to the public this week. So uh, oh, okay. I think that's going to be a prospective hot there. Um, from Detroit, Will Power clearly finished second. We talked about that before, but that was massively overshadowed by the fact that he got to hang out with Flavor Flav from the public enemy. 
no. the weekend. That was the highlight of his weekend. Oh, Flavor Flavor is absolutely getting around, loving life. And it turns out he's 64 years old. Wow. That really yeah, puts well, things he probably into perspective. Would be. Yeah, that's fair enough. So there you go. Um, so uh, hot. Did anyone else notice that Ted Kravitz was on holidays over the weekend? That is hot. More of that, please. Yeah, please. Uh, so that was good. Uh, the competition. A hot for Richard Crowell uh, as well, watching European Grand Prix in normal time. Oh, I know right. he found that very hot. Right. Good on you, mate. Congrats. Um, right. One of the best bits of social media for the year came out from Samantha Bush, uh, Kyle's wife, who filmed the start of the oh, Gateway yeah. NASCAR race from the pace car. From with the pace car. That was Kyle cool. on pole position, smashing into the pace car on the warm-up lap, which is just make it. Look up Samantha Bush on Instagram. Good content. And on the Bush family, so this they've got two entries in the hot, so and neither of them are actually Kyle winning that race. Yeah. Uh, the Bush family are selling their home just north of Charlotte, 1,400 no. square metres, five-car garage, seven bedrooms, 10 bathrooms, 35 rooms in total. So I don't know what the rest of the rooms are for, really, if they're not bedrooms or bathrooms. <coughs> I guess they could be um, trophy rooms because he's won 228 races. Uh, it's got a dock, a swim-up bar. You can purchase the house. For drum roll, please, $13 million. Wow. That's $13 million US, of course. Yep. So, Which is uh, just a lazy, he, what, $21 million, $22 million? Could be billions of dollars. But he bought the house in 2012 for 7.5 mil and yep. spent a million on doing up the kitchen. Wow. So, seven, seven bedrooms and 10 bathrooms. Why do you need so many bathrooms? I have no idea. So, um, must be one near the swimming pool. So the kitchen has a thing called Two Marble Waterfall Islands. I don't know what that is, but it sounds expensive. Yeah. So Anything good luck that has them. marble in it is expensive. There's no doubting that. So oh, good actually, luck to the I've, got a, I've got a bonus watt in here too. Oh, okay. Um, the pole winners of the IndyCar F1 and NASCAR race all won. Oh. What are the chances of that? You would expect that's probably every day of the week, but yeah, you'd probably expect it, but I don't think it happened. Yeah, anyway. uh, no, but it has. Yep, I've only got one hot for the week. Yep, that the guy who runs Aston Martin's motor racing program is a guy called Mike Crack. Yeah, I, I, I think we've that. mentioned that before. Yeah, okay, that's uh, quite a name, really, when you it's think a about great it. Great name, isn't it? Mr. and Mrs. Crack were uh, really <laughs> quite cruel, weren't they? I wonder if their son's called Plumber. Oh, jeez, Louise. Wow, it's true. <laughs> wow. What's your knot? Wow. Um, I might, right. Can, I, can yeah. I go with my knot? Yeah. The fact that we may not have a South African Grand Prix next year. There's been so much talk about it over the last uh, 12 months, getting it onto the calendar, and it looks like the promoters there have absolutely balls this one up. So it looks like uh, South Africa may be off the yeah, calendar. Which uh, would be, yeah, a, a shame for them. Um, Every country deserves a GP, doesn't it? Oh, they don't get it, though. There's 220 countries, no, so yeah. it'd probably be quite a packed be a program calendar. there. Be a very long <laughs> calendar. Really put NASCAR into perspective, wouldn't it? Um, and not so. Uh, Graham Rahal crashing under safety car. That was less than ideal. Um, not. 
how does Joey Mawson not get a supercar super license? Have, no, that was very weird. That's a very good knock. Have very we good got pick the, up by you. Have we got the boffins onto that? I mean, the, the bloke's won multiple podiums in GP3, but he's not good enough to drive a supercar? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, uh, I understand, like, with the Tyler Everingham thing a few years ago, that was, he did all these preliminary driving outside of Motorsport Australia, which is reasonable enough, but I think... S5000's under Motorsport Australia's... Gold star winner, like he's a. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, that's weird. He should be allowed to drive a supercar. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, not goes to the NASCAR Gateway. Whoever put the Turn Four TV camera it was placed behind the temporary grandstand because you couldn't see the track. So that's a not. Oh, was and also, also was there also a TV compound issue there? Yeah, they had what was in inverted commas an offsite fiber connectivity failure, mm. which buggered up the TV, the radio, internet at the track, and everything just went down. And the the race sort of stopped happening there for a bit because no one could see it or communicate. Oh. So, it was, so like um, if a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, did it actually fall? Exactly, and it's a bit of a shame too because uh, having all this offsite fiber connectivity failures, it was at a racetrack called Wide Work. Worldwide Technology Raceway. Of course it was. So that was pretty unfortunate <laughs> branding for those blokes. They've picked an absolute lemon of a thing. They actually had power outages there in the past. So, uh, yeah, nah, that's not going nah. well for them. So. No, nah, not at all. Um, further knots here. Uh, Chase Briscoe's Stuart Haas Racing Team were issued with a Level 3 penalty for counterfeiting an aerodynamic part on their car. Hmm. The penalty was a loss of 120 driver points and owner points, 25 playoff points, a six-race crew chief suspension, and a $250,000 fine. Thanks mm. for coming. Um, Formula One, Sergio and Charles in qualifying. That was a knot. Also, Lewis and George clattering into each other in qualifying. What was all that about? That's a knot. And um, everyone bar Max in the race. That's a knot. Yes. And I think that'll, that'll do my knots for this week. Also, Victorian weather this week leading up to Winton. That's a knot. 70 that, mil of rain. Not 100. Hundred percent, that is going to be not no doubt about it. one. One uh, hop that I should have done was uh, the truck assist racing uh, lineup. Talon Robotham getting the gig there next to Cam Hill in that car. Good on him. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we good uh, we've, we've featured Jay a fair bit on the uh, race talk this year, and uh, it's good to see young fellas out there getting a gig. That's yeah, good. and of course, uh, Jay No Jade had already been announced uh, a little while back uh, to be partnering Jack LeBrock. It's a sneaky good little team there that they've uh, assembled mm. this year. So uh, I think the Enduros are really going to be quite good because we do have that warm-up round Sandown 500 again this year. So um, that will be good to see all these guys at least get a decent crack before yeah. they get racing at the mountain. Yeah, very true. All right, mate, time for us to go and get some sleep and get ourselves ready for what's going to be a busy weekend at Winton. And then, of course, uh, 24-hour Le Mans straight off the back of it. Oh, while it's happening. While it's happening, correct. Uh, midnight Saturday, the race starts, and yeah. then it goes for 24 hours, apparently. So, uh, so time... midnight Sunday it finishes? Yeah, time certain race, the yeah. little 24 hours. So yeah. that it's probably going to earn a nod You definitely use that last week, so I'm not going to laugh yeah. again today. Don't, because, uh, yeah, I've got nothing. <laughs> a huge weekend of motorsport, actually. Uh, check the uh, TV guide on the racetalk.com because all the – uh, practice sessions, qualifying, hyperpole are live on stand throughout the week. So uh, plenty of motorsport on the tally this week. Well, thanks for joining us, folks. Hope you've enjoyed our fairly disjointed program today. But thank you, Dale Rogers, for your great interviews there at the uh, Speedway Awards. Uh, Richard Crowell over there at Le Mans. 
brought us some of the colour and some of the excitement happening there. And Mark, thank you for your time. No, thank you, Tony. We thank you for yours as well, right here on The Grid.